That's five in a row for your Kansas City Chiefs. And there's no way Chiefs fans aren't pumped up about this. Chiefs fans are ecstatic right now. This Chiefs team is back on track and trending into the right direction. And fans are exuberant right now. That is a feeling you want when you talk about Chiefs football. That feels pretty good. Five wins in a row, six and five above 500 for the first time this season since week one when the Chiefs were 1-0. and So it's great to see the Chiefs back in this. And in fact, this is going to be the first time that the Chiefs have been above 500 for seven full days this year, which is crazy to say because the Chiefs are now in uh, the wild card spot. In fact, they have moved up again in the standings, which I'll touch on in just a moment. Big thanks again to all of you for downloading and listening to the Chiefs on podcast. As always, I'm your host, Farzine Vesugian. Be sure you guys interact with me on social media, like my Facebook page, search Farzine Vesugian, and give my page a like. And you guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Follow me on social media and interact with me. Love the interaction, as always, each and every week with you guys, whether it's throughout the week, before, during, or after. After games, uh, I can never get enough with uh, with the Chiefs talk, and you guys do a great job. Love the interaction with you guys through the podcast, and then doing it on social media. So please do keep it up, and appreciate all of you guys for uh, listening out there to the Chiefs on podcast. Crazy, crazy season, just a big turnaround. The Chiefs have really done a 180. We've got to understand it's not over yet. The players still have a lot to do this season, but this game, which we'll get into shortly. This really was another statement game for the Chiefs. I feel like the Broncos game, that was the start of things turning around right there. And at that point, I think people said, all right, we've got to keep an eye on this Chiefs team because they could do something special with how easy this schedule is. And look at the Chiefs right now. Uh, The two best teams on Kansas City's schedule coming out of the bye week, Denver and Buffalo. Next thing you know, as Johnny Gomes would say, we beat them. And not just that, but look at the way the Chiefs have beat them. The Steelers, the Lions, Broncos, Chargers, and Buffalo Bills. The first four teams that I just read from that list, the Chiefs handed those four teams their worst losses of the season in terms of point differential. That's the biggest losses those teams have taken this season. Now, the Buffalo Bills... Uh, they've had losses worse than eight points, as this was an, a, a one-possession game, a, an eight-point score. But the Buffalo Bills scored six points in the second half. That is the fewest the Buffalo Bills have scored in a in a second half this season. So the Chiefs are handing teams their worst losses or having teams face their worst second-half performance of the season. Y'all want to be politically correct? I'm the unpolitically correct person. We want their... Okay, okay, Johnny, let's try to keep this a family show level. Uh, But seriously, there is one thing that we can all agree on with this Chiefs team as of late. It's unbelievable what they did! If you were to tell me that the Chiefs would have blown out those three teams, and I wouldn't say blowout, not all of them were blowout wins, but if you were to tell me they would have won the way they won and handing those teams their worst losses of the season, I would have said no way. It is unbelievable what they did. Thanks a lot, Johnny Gomes. Thanks for coming on the show. But... You look at the Chiefs and what they've done, and look, I'm telling you right now, these wins the Chiefs have right now are crucial. Let me read you the standings in the AFC. The Chiefs this year have defeated the Texans, the Steelers, and the Bills. 
The Texans are 6-5, and five, and so are the Steelers, who are also 6-5. and five. The Colts are also 6-5, and five, but they currently lead the AFC South. Now, the Chiefs, again, obviously a 6-5 and five team. The Chiefs are ahead of the Texans and the Steelers in the standings because they've defeated those two teams. If the Bills and the Chiefs happen to tie with a 10-6 and six record at the end of the season, the Chiefs will overtake the Bills as long as they're both within the wildcard standings and not behind. They're going to give it to the Chiefs because the Chiefs beat the Bills earlier this year. The Chiefs and Texans, oh, by the way, uh, six weeks ago, the two worst teams in the NFL now both possess a wildcard spot. The Chiefs, however, they're ahead of the Texans because they beat them in week one. So these wins are, they're not just wins. Uh, the way that they're handing these teams their worst losses of the season, that, that's not it. It's about finding a way to win these games because they are crucial. You know, Whether they're all one-point, quote-unquote, ugly wins, which I'll take an ugly win over an ugly loss, as long as you're winning, that's huge. Now the Jets are also six and five, but are five and four within the conference. The Chiefs are five and two in the conference. So even though the Chiefs and Jets don't play each other this season, the Chiefs still win in this tiebreaker because of conference record. Now the Jets, they've lost to the Bills and the Texans, and it happened in back to back weeks in weeks ten and eleven. They also lost to the Raiders. But they did beat the Browns. The reason I bring up those teams that the Jets have faced. If the Chiefs and Jets both have a 10-6 and record. And if they have the same conference record. Then the next tiebreaker. Uh, the next deciding factor in the tiebreaker rule. Would be the record in common games. And there have to be at least four common games. So four is the minimum. And... They, they will have at least four common games because you talk about the Bills and Jets, or part, pardon me, the Bills and Texans, who the Jets both lost to and the Chiefs beat, and they also lost to the Raiders. The Chiefs have just got to make sure that they sweep the Raiders and also beat the Browns. Now, if you happen to get swept by the Raiders, but if you beat the Browns, you still beat the Jets in terms of record among common games. So not only are you beating these teams, you're also beating them when it comes to tiebreaker procedures. This is how crucial these five wins are for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Lions game, you still kind of needed to win that one just so you can have a win and be ahead in the standings. Uh, But listen guys, think about Week 17. The Chiefs were in this position last year and in 2006 when they needed other teams to lose just so they could get into the postseason. Now in 2006, the Chiefs had that miraculous Uh, Sunday where so many teams lost including the Denver Broncos to the San Francisco 49ers and that allowed the Chiefs to get into the postseason and last year the Chiefs they they defeated the San Diego Chargers however the other teams that they needed help from could not come through the Chiefs at this rate at the rate that the Chiefs are going in week 17 the Chiefs are not going to need help from other NFL teams they can do it on their own at this point they 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 basically control their own destiny so it feels pretty good to be a Chiefs fan right now. Not only are the Chiefs holding a five seed and ahead of all of these other teams, they're ahead of all of these other teams because of the fact that they've beat, beaten them and they own the tiebreaker against those teams. That is how crucial these last five games have been for the Chiefs. 
Four of those five games have been against teams in the AFC. Now, the Broncos game and the Lions game, again, those are just games that you won and you're adding a win column to your record. And look, with, with, with the with the Broncos beating the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, the division might be out of reach for the Chiefs. But look, uh, division winners don't always make it to the Super Bowl. We, we've seen some wildcard teams in recent history get into the Super Bowl. Now, I know the past two years, both Super Bowl teams have been number one seeds, but you know what? At this point, you never know. I mean, it's going to come. It, not every year, not every Super Bowl is going to consist of the two number one seeded teams. I mean, that's going to change at some point. My point is, the Chiefs are making moves right now on the field, on the gridiron, making a lot of noise. And if they keep it up at this rate, they might be the most dangerous football team come January when the playoffs start. Now, on to the Chiefs game against the Bills. I'll get to Alex Smith later, because a lot is made about Alex Smith uh, this week uh, in the game that he had on Sunday. But after the Bills got off to a 10-0 start going into the second quarter, the Chiefs found a way to turn around. This is what good football teams do. Let me take that back. This is what great football teams do. They adjust. And it was not just one player that helped the team come back. This was a two-possession deficit. I don't care if it's late in the game or early in the game. A two-possession lead in the NFL is huge. Two-possession leads are not easy to overcome, whether it's early or late in the game. And this, my friends, was the most trouble the Kansas City Chiefs have been during this five-game winning streak. Throughout the course of the four-game winning streak going into the Buffalo game, the Chiefs have been looking pretty. They haven't been challenged a whole lot either. Now, the Steelers game, they had some trouble there. It wasn't the greatest victory of all time, but the Chiefs, they won that football game. They didn't have much trouble with the Steelers. They handled the Steelers pretty well. Landry Jones didn't do much against the team. But then the rest of the games, pretty one-sided. A lot of blowout wins there. Lions, worst loss of the season. Broncos, worst loss of the season. Chargers, worst loss of the season for those three teams. Then you look at the Bills, and I'll be honest, when I saw the score of 10-0, to and then also it was 16-7, to that missed PAT kept it from being a 10-point game, but at one point it was a 10-point game. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, oh boy, Sammy Watkins, it can only get better for him. With the way he's playing, he was on fire in the first half. Six receptions, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Sean Smith is really struggling against Sammy Watkins. Rod Parker and Eric Berry tried to help out, could not in the first half. Watkins did line up against Marcus Peters a couple of times. And Rex Ryan didn't like what he was seeing from Sammy Watkins when he lined up against Peters. So as good coaches do, they don't let those players line up against the same guy over and over again. So they kept Sammy Watkins against Sean Smith. Now, I do need to explain something with Eric Berry and the safety help in which he was late on several occasions. Eric Berry was not necessarily late. If you have the game on your DVR, please go look back because Eric Berry was still in his coverage keeping an eye on the tight I don't remember if it was a, another wide receiver, a tight end, or somebody else. But Eric Berry was keeping an eye on another player. Had Eric Berry left that assignment and... Tried to stay in the end zone to help Sean Smith. Somebody else would have been wide open. 
and they would have gotten about 5 or 10 yards after the catch. So Eric Berry, by all means, was not late. And, and Sean Smith didn't play terrible defense either. I mean, he had his hands up, and Sammy Watkins just got the better of him. Let me just say this. Good wide receivers beat good cornerbacks. Now, there are some times where good quarterbacks do pull through in those situations, but a majority of the time, if you want to take the elite number, let's say the number one cornerback versus the number one wideout, generally the number one wideout wins. Generally. Not always. Now, the Chiefs, they did make some adjustments. What did they do? Well, they added more to the secondary. That allowed Eric Berry to play a little bit more deep. And Sean Smith, he basically allowed some cushion on the snap. And Sammy Watkins couldn't do much. Completely shut down in the second half. Untargetable for in the second half for Sammy Watkins. Tyron Taylor unable to find him. Great job by Sean Smith and the Chiefs secondary. And also kudos to the coaching staff. Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator and head coach Andy Reid, they knew the issues there. And at halftime, they made that adjustment. And I would have loved if there was a camera in the locker room because I I would love to see how coaches convey this to their players and how they discuss it. I'm sure that was discussed on the headset at one point saying, hey, look, we've got to address this at halftime in the locker room. And obviously they did that. I would have loved to see how they convey those things in the locker room because obviously you you know something was said at halftime and the Chiefs went out there in the second half and did it. So there's evidence of that right there. Now, they added more personnel to the secondary, which means less players in the front seven. And at that point, it's not really a front seven anymore because you're taking away players from that front seven. So pressuring the quarterback becomes more challenging, especially without Justin Houston, who has a PCL sprain uh, based on initial tests, and it was reported that he may miss uh, some time. They don't know exactly how much, but he's listed as week-to-week right now. But the defense, able to find a way to turn around. Like I said earlier, the Bills scored six points in the second half, the fewest all season. That is how you do it. Offensively, Macklin's been pretty quiet lately during Kansas City's surge. He had exactly three catches in each of the last four games prior to facing the Buffalo Bills. Right now, he has 772 yards on the season, on pace for uh, to be Kansas City's first 1,000-yard receiver since Dwayne Bowe in 2011. He surpassed the 160-yard mark. In, the, in fact, he finished exactly with 160 yards, uh, and that is the third time in Macklin's career that he's passed the 160-yard mark. He had a 140-yard receiving game against the Packers, uh, also, uh, back-to-back, well, actually, back-to-back 140-yard receiving games uh, against the Packers and the Bengals, but those were really one-sided games. Uh, so, so the way he patted those stats late in the game, I, you look at those statistics, and sure, they're great for fantasy numbers, but realistically, that, that didn't convey into a realistic turnout on the field. Uh, that didn't make an impact for your team. Whereas in this game... Macklin's nine catches for 160 yards and a touchdown, that made an impact. That helped Kansas City. Spencer Ware, another offensive player to point out, became the third Chiefs running back to rush for 100 yards this season. And this is where John Dorsey gets a lot of credit for finding the right talent and filling up the depth chart correctly. Finding the right 53. You guys remember that quote? That's a quote Scott Pioli said, former general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I want to compare Scott Pioli to John Dorsey for one moment because 
when you look at Scott Pioli and what he did when Matt Castle went down with an injury in 2011, who was Kansas City's quarterback? You may remember his name, probably forgot it, but let me remind you for two seconds, unfortunately. It was Tyler Palco. We all know how bad Tyler Palco was. Why? Why were the Chiefs so bad? Because Scott Pioli, I almost said John Dorsey, Scott Pioli didn't find a good backup quarterback. He got Tyler Palco. John Dorsey, who does he have? Chase Daniel. And what's Chase Daniel's record as the starting quarterback for the Chiefs? He's 1-1. Should have been 2-0. But we all know the story behind that. We're not going to get into that. Bottom line, my point is, John Dorsey found a good backup quarterback. Granted, he's getting more money than most backup quarterbacks, but I digress. At the end of the day, John Dorsey, whether he's overpaying or not, he's finding the right backups for this football team. There, there, there's a reason why you have 53 players on a roster and not just 22. Those 53 players are out there, and all of them have a role. And some of, sometimes their roles change, like uh, a guy like Spencer Ware, who has filled in for Jamal Charles and uh, Chark Hendrick West lately, like a Chase Daniel, who has filled in for Alex Smith on two occasions in Week 17. So you, you, you look at everything the Chiefs did in this football game. You've got guys like Macklin stepping up, who's been very quiet lately. Spencer Ware, just hats off to him, being able to come out of that backup role, the number three running back to, to start the season on your depth chart, and look where he is right now. And I don't want to toot these guys' horns too much, Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West, because they need to prove that they can do it in a big window too. Now, you have reasons to feel encouraged. So, and I think we've got to consider this too, there there has to be Chiefs football after Jamal Charles. And when you look at running backs and how they do, they they don't last long in the NFL. And now Jamal Charles has broken that trend. He has lasted longer than most running backs in the NFL. Jamal Charles will be 29 later this month. So he'll be 29 by the time the 2016 season kicks off, coming back from his ACL injury. So... You have to consider the future. Now, Jamal Charles, he's got a couple of years left on his contract, so he's still going to be on this football team. But you don't want to let guys like Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware go, especially with how they've shined lately. You want to keep those guys because, like I said, there will be life after Jamal Charles. There will be Chiefs football after Jamal Charles. You're going to need another running back to fill in. So, Jamal Charles, we don't know if he's got two more years left, maybe one more good season left in him. If that's the case... And, and again, I, I know as fans, we don't think this, but general managers do. General managers, the, the job of a general manager, it's a big one. Because not only are you worrying about what's going on right now, you also have to prepare for the future. General managers in the NFL are already planning for the draft. I mean, they, they don't go deep into it when they speak to the media. But they do have an idea what they want and what they're going to search for and who they're going to scout. I mean, these general managers, they're attending college football games throughout the week. And then they go see their NFL team on Sundays. So my point is, there's for sure, maybe even just a little bit of discussions with John Dorsey and the agents of Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware. Because, you know, if you're John Dorsey, you see these guys, you want to try to lock them up to a two or three year deal for... A low significant amount of money. Maybe you can sign them to a 10 or $11 million a year in the next two to three years. 
And that would be a pretty big steal, especially if they turn out to be really good football players in the next two to three years to help complement Jamal Charles in the next couple of seasons. Now, I said I would get into this, and I'm going to do it right now, and it's Alex Smith, okay? A lot's been made of Alex Smith uh, during his time in Kansas City. A lot of people not really thrilled with the trade for Alex Smith, the two second-round picks. And then now the Chiefs have to surrender another second-round pick because he did help the Chiefs in 2013 with their record to 11 wins. So if a guy is winning that many games, sure, you'll be glad to give up a second-round pick. He's been on an offer here in Kansas City. There's no question about it. But lately, the Chiefs have been on a roll. His average yards per pass average in the last five games have gone up. He had a hell of a game on Sunday. 255 yards, 19 of 30 passing, two touchdowns, sacked just once. Now the offensive line, which we'll, I'll touch on in a moment, he is making the O-line look look a little good with his versatility. Now, I want to read you some statistics about Alex Smith. I know Alex Smith is not Tom Brady or old-school Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or an Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. But among the top 30 quarterbacks in pass attempts this season, Alex Smith has the fewest interceptions with three. In fact, he's got 283 consecutive passes Without a pick. Now I said last week. He did pass Steve DeBerg. For the franchise record. Now he's chasing an NFL record. For most consecutive passes. Without a pick. As of right now. He has 283 passes. Without a pick. Tom Brady holds the record. For 358 passes. Without a pick. And that happened uh, from 2010 to 2011. So it happened during the span of two seasons. But those, those stats still count. The other two players ahead of Alex Smith, number three, Bart Starr from the Packers, uh, did it in 64 and 65, uh, had 294 consecutive passes without a pick. And Alex Smith is 12 passes away from passing him. Number two on that list, Bernie Kosar from the Cleveland Browns, did it in 1990 through 1991. Alex Smith might be the first quarterback, uh, well, he is the first quarterback to have so many consecutive passes without a pick in a single season. Whereas these quarterbacks, they did it during the span of one year to another year. Alex Smith might be able to do it in an entire single season. Uh, And again, just looking at how far he is from Tom Brady, he needs 76 more pass attempts to go without a pick to pass Tom Brady. That is a significant statistic right there because football games are decided by turnovers. And Alex Smith is not turning the football over. He has not thrown an interception since week three of the NFL season against the Green Bay Packers. There are only two games this season where he has turned the football over, all of them being interceptions. Two against the Broncos, brutal, brutal interceptions, very uncharacteristic of Alex Smith, and also against the Green Bay Packers. And look at Alex Smith right now. No interceptions since week three. And look, the interceptions that he had against the the Broncos... Even top-tier quarterbacks do that. Now, speaking of top-tier quarterbacks and the mistakes they make, this is something that makes me irate. And I I don't get irritated much by fans who don't have a strong knowledge of the game of football. But there are some people who are really showing that they have absolutely zero knowledge of the game of football right now. A lot of Chiefs critics, or I, I should say Alex Smith critics, 
are bagging on Alex Smith for missing Travis Kelsey deep in the end zone in the second half, which should have been Travis Kelsey's second touchdown of the game. If you are going to dog on Alex Smith because he missed a wide-open player in the end zone, you have no idea what football is. I don't mean to be brash, but you have absolutely no knowledge of the game of football, and you should never criticize a an NFL player ever again, especially Alex Smith. Look at just I know as cheese fans, we closely watch these guys snap by snap. I, I urge you people, for those who are criticizing Alex Smith still for not being able to connect with Travis Kelsey in the end zone, which I agree he should have done it, but I'm not going to bag on Alex Smith because that was his one and only crucial mistake in that football game. I urge you critics, Alex Smith critics, go watch a football game. Go watch whoever you think is the best quarterback in the NFL. In my opinion, I think that's Tom Brady right now. Go watch a football game. And if you think Tom Brady's the best football player or the best quarterback in the NFL, maybe you you think he's the best football player too. Who knows? But if you think Brady's the best quarterback in the NFL, and and maybe a lot of you guys did see Sunday Night Football, in which the Broncos, as I mentioned earlier, stunned the, the Patriots at home. But watch Tom Brady snap by snap. He misses wide open players. He makes crucial mistakes. He holds on to the football for a long time to the point where he gets sacked or has to throw it away. Maybe he commits an intentional grounding penalty. Maybe he just completely throws a horrible pass and it goes straight to a defender. Guess what, guys? The mistakes that Alex Smith has made lately... All the other quarterbacks have done in the NFL. To criticize Alex Smith for missing Travis Kelsey wide open in the end zone, if that's the worst thing Alex Smith did, (laughs) bravo. If that's the worst thing your quarterback did in a football game, you should be celebrating, not criticizing him for missing the tight end. And I'm trying to keep my cool here because the Chiefs have won five games. And people are criticizing him. Oh, man. You know, we really do live in a society where people just can't be happy. Someone has to complain about something. And I'm trying not to use another word there. People have to complain about something. And it drives me nuts. (laughs) I don't know what to make of this. Maybe you guys can. Let me know on Facebook or Twitter. Look me up on Facebook, Farzin Vesugian or... Follow me on Twitter and uh, send me a tweet at Farzine21. I mean, can we just start giving this guy credit? You don't have to love him. You don't have to be best friends with Alex Smith. You, can, you, ha- you just need to appreciate what he's doing for your football team lately. Alex Smith is a big reason why the Chiefs have a five-game winning streak right now. He's not the only reason. See, I, I posted that on Facebook, and I got I got a couple messages from people saying, Whoa, 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 the defense is the reason they're number one, Farzine. Look, I never said he was the only reason. He is a big reason why the Chiefs are where they are right now. So, I I don't know where else to go with this. Because the past couple of weeks, Chiefs fans are still being a negative Nancy. Complaining that the Chiefs still lost five in a row. And that this winning streak means nothing. Well, if earning a wild card spot means nothing to you. I don't mean to be rash, but don't watch Chiefs football then. Don't root for this team when they officially clinch a wildcard spot. I mean, if you're going to continue to complain about this football team winning games, then go root for another team. I I, I don't know what, what else to say. 
Alex Smith goes out and has a hell of a game. And look, maybe we may never see this kind of a strong performance from him again this season. Maybe we do. But Alex Smith is doing what what he's what he needs to do. And fans are complaining. I don't know where to draw this line with Alex Smith critics. Look, he's again, he's not a top-tier quarterback. I, I'm not going to hide from it. But guess what? Go look at the loose list of Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks the past 15 years. Sure, Tom Brady's on that list quite a bit. But not all of them are elite quarterbacks. We've seen some mediocre quarterbacks win a Super Bowl. Heck, even play in the Super Bowl. I don't need to list the players that I that that have done that. Just go look it up for yourself, because you'll find out that you don't need an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. It definitely increases your odds. Don't get me wrong, but an elite quarterback is not a necessity to win. Look at the Royals in 2014. They didn't have all-star players on all nine positions in 2014. Yet they went 8-0 to start the postseason and made it to the World Series. And of course, in 2015 this past year, the Royals almost sent their entire starting roster to the All-Star Game. Uh, Eventually they sent four. They had more players win the Gold Glove Award. A lot of players even considered, Lorenzo Cain considered for MVP. You have more players now because the Royals, of course, got that notoriety. And they're starting to play more consistently and a lot better as, as a baseball team. The Chiefs... They're doing what the Royals did in 2014, and I've already made this comparison on the show, so I'm not going to go through all of this again, and if you haven't heard the comparison, go listen to the last podcast, and you'll hear it. The Kansas City Chiefs are getting work done, people, and if that's not enough to please you, then go root for someone else. Real quickly, I do want to list a couple bad moments from the game, and again, unlike the Alex Smith critics, I'm not going to bag on this too much, but there are some concerns with this football team right now. Demetrius Harris... Uh, I, I do want to mention this because I didn't mention this during the game breakdown. On a fourth down where, where the Bills were about to punt, a penalty for being in the neutral zone by Demetrius Harris, which allowed the Bills to get a new set of downs. So, so they got a first down, eventually got a touchdown to cut it within two, fail on the two-point conversion, so they don't tie. Had the Bills tied, that could have been a huge momentum shift. And it's crazy to think that Demetrius Harris could have been a potential culprit for this football team. Fortunately not the case. But the Chiefs definitely need to work that out with him. Outside linebacker Justin Houston. I mentioned he had the knee injury. Uh, he's listed as week to week. Mitch Morse uh, with a concussion right now. Uh, n- don't know what the latest is on him yet. But he could miss some time. Head injuries you never want to. You never want to mess with that. You want to take your time with that. Eric Fisher has a neck sprain. Again, that, that's part of the head. Uh, you never want to rush a player back in that situation. And that was a brutal hit that Eric Fisher took. He leaned in with his head on that block to help Alex Smith. I don't know if a fine is on the way for that or not, but uh, either way, uh, and props to Fisher, who has been playing well lately. Uh, but again, it's a neck sprain, so you've got to be careful with that, uh, with head injuries. Uh, Jeff Allen also left early in the game with a with an injury, an ankle sprain, but he did come back to the game. My point is, bringing up Jeff Allen's name, three offensive linemen were injured in this game, and the Chiefs ended up using every single offensive lineman active on their roster. As of right now, Ben Grubbs hasn't played since week six, seven, so as of right now, your offensive line from left to right, Donald Stevenson, Jeff Allen, Zach Fulton, who filled in for Mitch Morris at center, and then at right guard, you've got... Lauren Duvernay-Tardif, and that right tackle, Ja Reed, who's 
uh, been on and off in terms of being active and playing for the Chiefs this season. Those are your five available linemen and the only five right now. So you've got to look at your practice squad. And it's worth noting, Paul Fanica didn't play this season. He's on injured reserve. Uh, Jared Pugsley, he's on your practice squad. You've also got Michael Lightkey, Light- I believe that's how you pronounce it. And then you, have, you also have Lawrence Gibbons on your team. So those are guys, or Lawrence Gibson, I should say, pardon me. Uh, those are right now guys on your practice squad. So those are guys who definitely might be considered to be activated to the 53-man roster. The Chiefs might also look uh, out on the street for uh, a guy in free agency to come on the team to help out add some depth on the team for maybe a limited amount of time. You never know. But right now, the biggest uh, concern with this Chiefs team, especially going against a Raiders team that has a good offense. Uh, you know, this past week, the Raiders offense got picked back up. But prior to that, the past couple of games, the Raiders offense has been significantly quiet. Uh, but as of right now, uh, you are getting ready to face a good Raiders team, uh, or good Raiders team on offense and on defense. They've been able to do some things as well. At one point, the Raiders were a wild card team. And if they do beat the Chiefs this Sunday at the black hole, they could, and I, I would have to double check, but the Raiders, I believe, would overtake the Chiefs for one of the wild card spots. Maybe the number five spot. Maybe the Chiefs could keep the sixth spot. It, it just depends on what happens with the Texans, the Steelers, and the Bills. And I don't want to go through all that because I, I feel right now that's irrelevant. And again, we'll have a Chiefs and Raiders preview in our next podcast. But for right now, uh, this Chiefs football team, uh, the, the offensive line is a concern. And hopefully they can get some guys on the practice squad to come through. And hey, look, if, uh, if I can add any sort of optimism... The Chiefs have had some good luck when they've had guys step up for injured players, such as Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware. As, as you, as I mentioned earlier, Spencer Ware, the third player this season for the Chiefs to rush for 100 yards. Uh, guys like Albert Wilson, Chris Conley, D'Anthony Thomas, those guys have been able to step up here and there during this five-game winning streak. So if you want any sort of reason to feel good about a couple of guys coming from the practice squad, Hopefully, you're, the starting five that you had to finish the game, those guys did pretty well. I mean, you also have to remember, Jeff Allen did come back to the game. So, the starting five right now, not bad, especially with how they did against the Bills. And a very solid Bills defensive line, too. That's no joke to, to be able to finish off. And I know Mario Williams didn't play, but still, to be able to do well against that Bills defense with Jerry Hughes and... And uh, you know, the other William, Kevin Williams, uh, that's still a, a big accomplishment for the Chiefs. So that offensive line, again, like I said, if I can spill any sort of reason for you guys to feel good, uh, so far, pe- players who have been asked to step up, they've done well. We'll see what happens throughout the week, and uh, surely later in the week we'll have another podcast, and uh, hopefully we'll have an update as to what the Chiefs decide to do with the roster, more specifically with the offensive line. Until then, I'll talk to you guys later this week. Big thank you to all of you for listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Let's stay optimistic, guys. Five wins in a row, and the Chiefs continue to climb in the standings. They've climbed in the standings the past six weeks. There was a bye week somewhere in there. But during this five-game winning streak, they've climbed in the standings. So let's have some optimism, all right? Your football team is winning football games, so let's feel good about it. Let's not criticize Alex Smith for having a great game, all right? I'm Farzeen Vesugian. Like my Facebook page. Search Farzeen Vesugian. And also follow me on Twitter, at Farzeen21. Give it a like. Give me a follow. 
Talk to me on social media. I will talk to you guys later this week here on the Chiefs on Podcast. Take care.